0: Hi, I'm Ben Pilgrim, lead pastor of Epic Church in San Francisco, and I want to welcome you to the podcast. Our vision here is to see an increasing number of people in San Francisco orient their entire lives around Jesus. But whether you're listening in from the city that we love here by the Bay, or wherever you might happen to be in the world today, I want you to know that I'm excited about what God is doing in your life and what He's doing in our Epic Church community. I hope you'll find this message encouraging and that it will inspire you to take your next steps along your faith journey can you feel the excitement in the room yes sir. Yeah, same here students we love you don't you love our students being in here to start our 11 o'clock worship gathering oh man it just does a heart good doesn't it especially if you're a mom or dad to any of these students you're like man i'm so glad that this is the environment in which they're growing up and i'm thrilled that you're here today we do begin a brand new and i'm also glad that they leave otherwise you wouldn't have seats so we're so happy as our students are in there. They had 31 students show up last week, the most we've ever had on a Sunday here at Epic. And uh, I'm glad that they have given you some seats for today. We are in a series we kick off today called What's the Plan? But I just want to say before we get to that teaching, I hope you are making plans to join us for Vision Night next Sunday evening at 414 Brandon Street. If you've been under a rock, God has provided a permanent facility for Epic Church Stone. I'm excited about it. We're staying in the neighborhood we've always been, and guys, it's pretty rare to actually be able to physically and literally step into the future, but we're going to do that next Sunday evening at 5 p.m., and I would love for you to be there as we imagine what God might do in that space and what part we might get to play in making that reality, uh, making that vision become a, a reality. We are beginning a new series today called What's the Plan?, and I thought it would be fun for you to participate Just so, that means you're going to play along. When I say raise your hand, you're going to raise your hand. You know, it's one of those kind of things, except for those of you who are stubborn. You're like, no, I'm not doing it. I don't even care if I like the game. I am not raising my hand. Hey, how many of you would consider yourself a planner? Just raise your hand if you're a planner. Just keep your hands up. I would love to know that. Um, Keep them up. Seriously, like, I assume that means you have detailed schedule for this coming week. Yes? Uh, Or maybe some of you, keep them up every time I'm just going to keep going. So you've got a plan for the week. How many of you have got a plan for the rest of the month? Anyone know your big rocks for the rest of 2022? Yeah. Awesome. How many of you already know where you're going on vacation in 2025? <laughs> I actually do because we go to the same place every single June. My wife is, has her hands up. She's like, you better know. I'm like, it's with her family, and I love it. I love it. Uh, but some of you are like, you have all of us Be You already know which university your two-year-old is going to attend 16 years from now. If that's you, would you raise your hand? It's important for me to know which kids I'm praying for, and that God would give their mother and father grace as they plan for that. How many of you used to be planners? No, for real. Like, you were a pre-COVID planner. Anybody? You remember when you used to be able to plan trips and go on the trips? Are you used to plan to go to a concert, and you went to a concert? Are you used to plan because you knew the new James Bond movie was coming out, except it didn't come out? Oh, right, anybody, anybody pl- like, back in the day, you remember when you could plan a wedding and actually get married on the day that you planned to get married? You remember that? Yeah, we used to be planners. Now we're like, we're just taking it one day at a time, right? Um, How many of you, this is really important too, would say that you're more spontaneous than you are planned? Keep them up high. This is important. Look around the room. These are the fun people. (laughs) They're the worst partners ever on a major project, but they're super, they're super fun. And then how many of you would say you're just like your pastor, you like to plan your spontaneity? super important, by the way. I just want to plan. I'm going to set aside some hours on a particular day. I don't know what I'm doing, but I do plan that time. Otherwise, that time doesn't come. Well, we are beginning the series, What's the Plan Today? And it's kind of fun across our entire community to do what we just did and kind of see where we all are on the planning spectrum. Anybody have a spouse who is on the other end of the planning spectrum than you are? That never causes issues, does it? Like, like never. Never. Yeah. Um, but things do get a little more serious when we begin to look at our lives, our work, our relationships, our mental health, just whatever issues we might have in life, and I don't know about you, but I just see over the course of my life in all these categories, so many seemingly random things, and it causes me, maybe you too, to ask this question. Is, Is there a plan to all of this? Is there really a plan for all of this? Have you ever asked that question? Because if there's no plan or purpose, then we just do what we want to, make the most of it, and see what happens. But if there is an actual plan, there must be a planner. That's what I want to talk about today. In fact, that's the title of this message, The Planner, as we kick off a 10-week series called What's the Plan? I want to encourage you to lean in over the next 10 weeks. Here's some of what we will cover. Does God actually have a plan? We'll talk about that today. If he does have a plan, does that plan include a plan for my life specifically? We will look at how does God guide us in his plan. We'll talk about what we think God's plan is for the future of Epic Church. We will ask the question, what work and vocation has God called you in his plan? We will look at is there any freedom when it comes to God's plan? Anybody want to know if there's some freedom or if it's just rigid? Rigid. We'll look at do our desires matter when it comes to God's plan, or do just God's desires matter when it comes to God's plan? We'll ask the question what do we do when we don't know exactly what to do? And we'll try to cap the series off at the end by just asking can we make a wrong path right? Or if I chose the wrong plan, can it become somehow, some way, the right plan? Anyone else observe something in your life or in our world that causes you to question and doubt whether or not God has a plan? Some of you are going to play church. The rest of us are going to shoot straight. Yeah, me too. There are some things I'm like, are you sure? And yet, that's one side of me. But on the other side of me, guys, I've seen enough things where I walk away from that thing or experience going, there's no way that could have happened unless God has a plan. And what do we do with that? Like someone's like, I don't think, oh, he must. And anybody ever feel like when you're thinking about God's plan, like you're kind of, you just, you're up and down on it? Because you allow your idea of God's plan to be anchored to what you're going through in a moment. And we should all trust our feelings at any given moment, shouldn't we? And attach the idea that God is either, he exists and has a plan and it's good, or he must not exist, or he must not have a plan, or he must not have a good plan. I just need to know there's a purpose to it all. I need to know there's a reason for all of it. And by purpose, I mean the straightforward definition. You'll see this on the screen. Purpose, the reason for which something is done or for which something exists. So just straightforward. Like just the reason that something is done or the reason for which something exists. And isn't it fascinating that we know the purpose of so many things in the world? Like, I just play along still. Do you know the purpose of an airplane? Great. Do you know the purpose of a mailbox? Do you know the purpose of coffee? Do you know the purpose of this camera? Isn't it amazing that we know the purpose of so many things, and yet we're most confused about our own purpose? It's fascinating. I know why that exists. I know why that exists. I understand the purpose and point and reason behind that over there. But then I look at my own life, and I'm like, what about me? The thing I should know the best, I'm most confused about when it comes to what is my purpose. I want to anchor this series. There's a lot of scripture today. I'll give it to you. Some of you are like, oh no, I've got to turn multiple places. No, just watch the screen. You're going to be okay. I want to anchor this series though. I really want to set the tone in Psalm 33. I want to show you something about God as we talk about, because if we don't understand who the planner is, the next nine weeks won't make a ton of sense to us. So if you could stand with me, I'm going to give you two verses. And some of you are like, man, I don't like standing just for two verses. Well, you can stay up longer, but we'll move on. Psalm 33 verse 10 and 11 it's just going to tell us something about God as the planner and then we'll work our way from there. The psalmist writes the Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. It sounds like there's a lot of plans in this world and we'll cover that over the series, but there is a planner who has a plan that will endure forever. And today we get to decide, will I bet on my own plans or someone else's plans or the culture's plans or my parents' plans, or will I bet on God's plans? Have a seat. Let's figure this out together. Think about these next couple moments as just overview, which I want to try to make the case about the planner, and, and then we'll get into what the ramifications are and the implications for our lives. And by the way, I'm thrilled that you're here today and uh, believe that God's doing something fresh in our church in this season, and I want you to lean in and, and be a part of it. So when you read that, this idea that God has plans, and they're going to keep going forever and ever, his plans are good to go, or I don't know how it makes you feel to know that God has purposes in his own heart, and that those purposes, no matter what comes, no matter what happens throughout history, no matter what people choose to do, those purposes are going to endure through all generations. Something similar was said by Job. Job, if you don't know, he had kind of everything taken from him. He wanted to die. He started questioning God. And at the end, after he had experienced all of this with God, he said these words in Job 42, verse 2. To God, he said, I know you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. I know you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. Job learned this at the end of all of his events and trials and tribulations. I wonder if we could learn this on the front end, and what if we could just go into the rest of our life on this earth knowing that God has a plan, knowing that it's going to stand over the course of time? What if we could just live with that confidence rather than going, hey, I think he has a plan. I don't think he has a plan. I think he has a plan. I don't, right? And just looking at our own lives or how we feel, our emotions, or what we're thinking. And so that's what I want to really build the case for today. Proverbs nineteen twenty one says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. So, the writer of Proverbs isn't saying it's wrong for us to plan. We'll talk about that. I'm going to do a whole message on desires. Do our desires have any role in, in, in God's plan? And there's really a, kind of giving you the answer for that October 2nd message, but there are really two ideas when it comes to desires. God wants us to express our desires, and he wants us to surrender our desires. Most of us are good at one or the other. Most of us don't even tell God what we want. We're just like, your will, your will, your will. Others of us are like, God, I want this, and I don't care about your will. Right? Right? So so that's what I want to get at. So the writer of Proverbs says, "Hey, there's a lot of plans out there, but it's the purpose in the heart of God that prevails in the end." So God has plans, they endure. He has purposes in his heart. They're going to last for all generations. Proverbs says it's his purpose that's going to prevail. And even if you can get around that, you should ask this question. Are his plans good? Are his purposes good? I want to jump right to something that Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1:9 when he said this talking about Jesus. He said he has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus yesterday? Yes, yesterday, but initially before the beginning Of time. I love this idea. Just think about what Paul's told Timothy. He's saying, I want you to know something. God has a good plan for your life. How good is it? Well, it's so good that it's not going to be predetermined by what you do, it's going to be predetermined by who God is. And His purpose is to save you from yourself and your sin, to lead you and call you to a holy life, which simply means this a life that is set apart for His purposes. Why did He do it? Because you were going to be such an angel? No, because you're not. He did this not based on anything you had done, but out of his own purposes. Aren't you glad that if his purposes endure forever, then his purpose is for you to know him and have eternal life with him? Anybody besides me, as you think about what you did over the last 24 hours, glad that it's not based on anything you have or haven't done? Now, you guys have been awesome the last 24 hours, it looks like. That's God. And so what we have to begin doing, okay, you've got plans. They last forever. They're good plans. Then we just still have to decide, will we align our lives with his plan or ours or someone else's? In Acts chapter 5, this is kind of like the apex of my message today. So I'm telling you, it's getting ready. So I need you to (laughs) lean in. In Acts 5, what has happened is Peter and the rest of the apostles, those who were so afraid to align their lives with Jesus publicly, now they are no longer afraid, and they're just talking about Jesus everywhere, everywhere. In Acts 4, they're told not to speak anymore, and Peter and John are like, we can't help talking about what we've seen and what we've heard. I wonder if that would be true about us this week as we move into our work week and our school week and our neighborhood week this week. We just can't stop talking about what God has done in our midst. And so they say that, and then they get put in prison. And after they get put in prison, that night, an angel of the Lord breaks them out of prison and doesn't tell them to go hide or run away to a nearby town. He says to them, go stand in the temple courts and start talking about this new life. I'm like, no, I think I'm going to bounce. So they do that. Well, the religious council who had put them in prison, they are furious. It's a group known as the Sanhedrin. Think like uh, the Supreme Court over Jewish life. Okay, that's this group, and they are like, you can't do this anymore, and it says in Acts 5 that they are getting ready to kill these guys. At that moment, Gamaliel, a Pharisee, stands up and he says, guys, we need to be careful, and then he says this from Acts 5, 38 and 39, and this is really the tone setter for this whole series. Here's what Gamaliel says to the Sanhedrin. He says, therefore, in the present case, I advise you, Leave these men alone, let them go, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. As you think about your life today, here's what you have to know. The purposes of human origin eventually fail. Now, let's camp out on that word eventually, because when we look at our world right now, we're like, it looks like it's going pretty well. Th- think about if you were an Israelite, you'd been enslaved for 300 years, you were going to be enslaved for another 100 years under Pharaoh's rule out of Egypt, you would be like, I'm not so sure. That word eventually is massive. Think about the injustice we see in our world today. The, plans of hu- the purposes of human origin eventually fail, but the purposes that originate in the heart of God are unstoppable. Which begs the question for your life, where does your purpose originate? You see, you might be pulling one over on the rest of us right now, something of human origin. And so far, it looks like you're winning. Like You can reject God's purpose for your life, but why would you? The Pharisees in Luke 7, verse 30, listen to what Luke writes about them. It says, but the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves. Listen to me really closely because we get confused on this whole plan and purpose. How does it work? You can reject God's purpose, but you cannot stop God's purpose. You can reject it in your own life. You can reject it in your marriage, your family, the way you do your job. You can reject it, but you can't stop it. So for your life, do you want to assume a purpose that's of human origin, yours or someone else's, or to assume a purpose that's of divine origin? Like, Ben, tell me the difference before I decide. Here's the difference. In one scenario, you will find yourself fighting against God. In the other scenario, you will find God fighting for you. Same is true for our church. Which do we want? I can come up with some really good plans. And I know you can because you tell me about your plans. I'm like, I'm telling you your face, that would be awesome. Inside, I'm going, that's terrible. That's a bad idea. We have plans, right? And here's what's great, just to give you a precursor to the rest of the series. God wants to know what we want. Don't you love that? See, some of you have this idea that God's a killjoy. Go read the Gospels and hear Jesus asking this question a number of times. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? But he also is going to say, take up your cross and follow me. Die to yourself, Right? We're like, which is it? He's like, it's both, express and surrender, express and surrender. And and so you have a scenario where it's like, hey, human origin or divine origin, here's the great question for you. Whose plans are you betting your life on? Whose plans are you betting your life on? I love the way David said it in Psalm 40, verse 8. He said, I desire to do your will, my God, your law is within my heart. I want to make that my prayer. I desire to do your will. And he's taught, you know, we, can't, we just came out of a summer series on formation. And he's like, my heart is, I want my heart to be formed around your thing. If you have purposes in your heart, I want to live a life that wants to do what you want me to do. And let me just give you a couple of prayer thoughts. Some of you need to pray, God, I want what you want. Others of you need to be even more honest and say, God, I want to want what you want. I don't, I, I'm just honest, I don't always want it. But help me to want to want what you want. It's a great prayer. I love what Martin Luther King Jr. said the day before he was assassinated. He said these words in a speech. He said, like anybody, I want to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. I want a long life, but what I really have to ask myself, Ben, do you, would you rather live a long life or live the life that God has for you? I know what I, listen I want to be the pastor of Epic Church. I want this to be my last job. Okay, that's my will. So if it doesn't happen, blame God. Some of you would be cheering, others of you would be maybe sad. That's my will. But do I want his will enough that even if I have to let go of the thing that I absolutely love, would I be willing to do that? Would you? Some of you are in your dream career. Others of you have aspirations to get there. Are you gripping it so tight that even if God had something better over here, you still wouldn't let go? You see, when God's plan is my plan, I am in. I'm your guy. Tap me on the shoulder. But when initially, I think over time, our, our, our will becomes his will. Like there's, there's a shift if we're, if we're being formed. But, but initially, it's like, oh, I wanted, I wanted this. I wanted this what about Jesus? I mean, if you don't know, our vision here at Epic is to try to orient our entire life around Jesus. So what does Jesus do with this topic? I mean, surely if he's Jesus, he's coming to earth to do his own thing, right? I mean, if he's been worshipped, if he was there from the moment of creation, along with the Father and the Holy Spirit, and the Father's like, it's time for you to go, surely he'd be like, okay, I'm only staying for about 30 years, and I'm going to do my own thing. Listen to what he says in John 6, 38. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. What if we just became a people who adopted this as our mission statement? Just imagine you go into every day going, I have not come into this day to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. I mean, just imagine, B, it's Thursday morning. And rather than going, oh my gosh, I can't believe i got to do this again today. Yes, I need some coffee because I asked you earlier, do you know the purpose of coffee? And you know the answer to that, Justin, is the only way I could hear from God is if I first. But just imagine, B, we start our day. God, I am coming into this Thursday morning not to do my will, but to do the will of Him who sent me into this Thursday. God, I am coming into my marriage. Oh, I want to do my will. But God, I'm not walking into this marriage conflict to do my thing and let me die to that. I want to do your thing. God, we're moving into this new space that you provided for our church. But God, even though we're thrilled, we don't want to say, here's what we demand. No, God, I did not come into 414 Brandon to do my will, but to do your will. Seth, I'm not writing worship songs to do my own will and be famous. I'm doing it to do his will. I'm not going to school tomorrow to bring my own will to school. I'm bringing his will. What would that change? would that change everything? It would change everything. So let me ask you, are you willing to say yes to God's will before you know the specifics of that will? If your answer is no, let me tell you what's true. If your answer is no to that question, what's true is that you trust the when, where, how, and what more than you trust the who. If you're going, hey, I need to, I need to, just, I need to see exactly what it is, then I'll decide if I want to get on that No, no, God's got a path for you, and God has a good plan for you. You know, Romans 12, 2 is a verse we talk about a lot. We'll talk about it in this series, and when we typically talk about it, like this past series, we talk about the first part primarily, right? I love that part. It says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind right? That's where we typically go, formation. We're big on that here at Epic. But the next sentence is really important. So be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And you're thinking, good, pleasing, and perfect? Then what about all of the evil? What about all of the injustice in our world? Then what about the thing that's happened to me? Well, for starters, here's what you have to know. God has given human beings a ton of freedom, right? And let me tell you how this plays out in how we view ourselves and how we view the world and how we often view God. Here's what we say to God, some version of this. I want my freedom, I want my freedom, I want my freedom, but when we see evil in the world, we think, God, you must have a problem. You see the disconnect. I cannot go, I love my freedom. God, the evil in this world, you must be a bad God. God. No, the reason there's evil in the world is the same reason that you have today, the freedom to choose. I will not be held responsible for what you choose to do with what we're talking about. The friend beside you, your spouse, your kids, your parents, they will not. God has given us freedom to do. But the person who writes this in Romans 12, if you don't know the biographer of Romans, you might think that person must have had a pretty easy life. If they they lived on this planet, And they said that God's will was good and pleasing and perfect. They must have had a pretty cush life. I bet every time they asked for something, they got it. I bet they lived a long life. I bet they never had trials. And I'm here to tell you, the person who wrote this is the Apostle Paul. Two months ago, I had the privilege of being in Rome and visiting a prison that Paul was kept in. And then we were able to visit the space just outside of Rome where Paul was martyred for his faith. And you may be thinking, Ben, how could a person who went through all of that write that God has a good and pleasing and perfect will? It's because he got to know God. Remember, Acts 8 begins by saying Paul had this plan of human origin. He is, he is applauding. When Stephen, a follower of Jesus, is martyred, Paul is there applauding. Human origin evil, but he had the freedom. But in Acts 9, he meets Jesus. Jesus changes his life, and he gets to know that if God can rescue me, not because of anything I have done, but but because of his purpose, he must be a good God. And so here's what Paul knew that he wants you to know, wants me to know today, a good God cannot have a bad purpose. We've got to quit looking at each moment of our lives and making decisions about what God is like. We need to hear Paul go, hey, no, before the beginning of time, he did this. And at the end of time, he's going to do this. And so when you see a moment in history, just know that God's plan will still prevail. You you know this in the world. And if we're not careful, even in the church world, we will talk about who God is based on what we're in the middle of. Do you remember what happened on Palm Sunday? Do you remember what they said about Jesus He's coming into town, and what's happening? Starts with a hose, ends with an Anna. Hosanna, like they're like, Hosanna, here comes the king. That chant, that perspective didn't even last a week. Friday, the chants go from Hosanna to crucify him. And what looked like, oh, here's our guy. God's got a good plan. Now there's like there either isn't a God or he doesn't have a plan or it's not a good plan. When Jesus brings Lazarus back from the dead in John chapter 11, everybody's like, oh my gosh, God has a good plan, but not everybody. John eleven fifty three. 53, from that day on, they plotted to take his life. And I'm going to end in the text this morning in Acts chapter 2. I want you to see it. I want you to think about what we heard in Acts 5. In Acts 2, you've got Peter standing up, and he's giving the first sermon. And he's trying to tell us about how our planning and how God's planning can sometimes work together, and sometimes they're opposed to each other. And Peter, the first sermon in church history, here's what he said in verse 23 and 24, talking about Jesus. He said, This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. All right, pause for a moment. When we typically think about free will versus God's will, a lot of times most of us in this room think it's got to be one or the other. But in verse 23 alone, do you see both at play? Was it God's deliberate plan for Jesus to be on the cross? Was Jesus put on the cross because of the sins of evil and wicked men? Something really to grapple with, live in the tension of that. So that's what went down. God's plan, evil plan, they came together. But what does verse 24 say? But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Do you see that? In that moment, if you were there on that Friday, if you remember the guys walking on the road to Emmaus on that Sunday morning when Jesus intercepts them, if you were there that day, you're like, I guess there wasn't a good plan. Do you remember what the guys on the road to Emmaus said? We had hope that he was the one. They, they, they thought what a lot of people thought in that moment, including the disciples. Evil had finally won. God's power had met its match. But Peter, in this message, he goes, yeah, this was happening. This was happening. He was nailed to the cross. And then he gives us the most, uh, two most important words in all of Scripture and maybe in all of history. But God. This was going down just like this. It looked like the story was over, but God had another chapter. But God freed him, made him rise from the dead because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. It's like in this moment, Peter's saying, remember what Job said? No purpose of his can be thwarted. Remember what the psalmist said? God has purposes in his heart. And even evil people who put Jesus on the cross and kill him will not be able to stop his purpose through all generations. You remember what Gamaliel said? If it's of human origin, eventually it will fade. But if it is of God, you will not be able to stop it. That's what Peter's saying. Death. Think about the power of death. Death the plan of evil men and women could not keep their hold on Jesus. So you tell me, which plan do you want to adopt for your life? Fighting with God or having God fight for you? Will you trust the planner? Not, not based on this moment in your history. Ask God for perspective. We walk by faith, not by sight. God, would you help me to trust you that you have a good plan? God, if you purpose for me to be delivered and set apart for your purpose, before, not before I began. Did you catch that in Timothy? Before time began. If you're trying to figure that out, you, I don't know how to. It's like before, just before. And if God is going to invite you to spend eternity in his presence, I know there are going to be things between that initial moment and that last moment and what he wants you to know, what he wants you to do to make sense of those moments is go, hey, God, I know you're not a bad God. It doesn't look like the plan is working right now, but I'm going to hang on. I'm going to hold on. Remember what Paul said in Galatians 6, 9, right? We do not give up. For in due time, you will reap a harvest. If you do not, give up. So, hey, people are doing evil in our world. Can we get an amen? There's a lot of evil, right? And we love pointing the finger, but then we're like, sometimes we do evil. Sometimes I am wicked. But even with that, God is bringing all things to a conclusion where He, as the divine planner, is going to see it through till the end. And my hope for you, what I've been praying in this morning and all week long, is that you would open yourself and attach your life to the one whose plans are going to succeed. Will you do that today? This series is called What's the Plan? I love that question. I thought that was probably more provocative than other questions we could have asked because we all want to know the plan, don't we? What's the plan for my marriage? What's the plan for my life? What's the plan for my vocation? What's the plan for my location? Anytime you ask that, God just keeps saying, stay in San Francisco. (laughs) But we want to know, what's the plan for our family? What's the plan for our church? What's the plan? It's a great question, but friends, it isn't the most important question. On the topic of planning, here's the most important question in my life, in your life, in our church, and for our world. Here it is. Not what's the plan, who is the planner? It was A. W. Tozer who said, "Whatever you think about when you think about God, that's the most important thing about your life." So, what do you think about when you think about the planner? Would you pray with me? It's so easy to uh, to want and to even be passionate about my own will. It's so easy to, to want my desires to be supreme, it, whether it's my family, whether it's my relationships, whether it's our church. And what I want to get in a pattern of doing is just with Jesus and with Martin Luther King Jr. and with Paul and with Peter, I just want to go, hey, I, I did not come here to do my will but to do the will of him who sent me. We did not start this church to do our will but to do the will of him who sent me. And I want for you and I just to, even before we know all of the details, to become people who are surrendered and going, I want your plan, God. I trust you. God, not everything in our world is good. Not everything in my life is good right now. But, God, I trust that you are doing what Paul said in Romans eight twenty eight. I trust that you are working all things for the good of those who love you, who are caught according to your purpose. God, would you come and move in our hearts? That we declare we're dependent. And today, as you listen to even this prayer, if you've never given your life to Jesus, I want you to know, as we just read from Paul to Timothy, you were made for that. And it's never going to quite work in your life until you really give your life to him. It was C.S. Lewis who, in Mere Christianity, he wrote, essentially, as a car was made to run on gasoline, you were made to run on God. You were made for a purpose. You were made on purpose. And it starts with really realizing that God came to deliver you from yourself. And today you can have that. You can simply say something like this. Jesus, save me from a life without you and bring me into a life with you. And for the rest of us, will we surrender today? This space in front of me can be an altar where we just go, God, I really do want your thing. Or God, I'm trying to discern. Would you give me wisdom? What is your plan? And others of us have been through some terrible things and we're still wrestling with whether or not this God I've told you about is a good God. God wants your honesty today, but he also wants your trust. So God, would you come and move among us? In Jesus' name, amen. You may stand at this time. Again, this space, this altar in front of me, in front of the stage, could be a place where you just pour your heart out to God, but let's respond. Thank you so much for joining us on the Epic Church Podcast today. If you would like to learn more, you can go to epicsf.com. I want to also encourage you to download the Epic SF app so that you can keep up with everything that God is doing in and through this community in downtown San Francisco.